Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me this week is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Happy to be back. Um, We should probably start off the show by addressing probably the greatest internet controversy today, at least. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. um, I was thinking about this earlier today. I'm like, how do we start the show? And I think we really need to, like, narrow in on, like, the biggest news for entertainment really and that is i don't know if you saw the trailer for the uh clifford the big red dog movie that's coming out (laughs) i was like i literally had no idea where you were taking this (laughs) yeah and i mean this is important stuff i i don't know what i expected but i when i watched that trailer i'm like yeah that's a big dog but probably should be bigger uh very red also um looks like a real dog and i think that throws me off when i'm watching that trailer Mm. i don't I, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to solve this tonight. We might have to put a pin in it. But I just, I watched, I watched that trailer. And I, I haven't actually seen the trailer, but now that I've looked at the thumbnail, yeah, that dog is not big enough. Yeah. And and the fact that it looks like a real dog. Yeah. I, I wonder, here's the thing. Like, this is like, and I'm going to tie this back into video games. When you look at the, <laughs> the Sonic movie, when that first trailer came out, it was a realistic Sonic the Hedgehog. And it freaked everybody out. Yeah. And, you know, they went back to the drawing board and they made a more cartoonish Sonic and it worked. The movie did pretty good and a lot of people liked it. Uh, half of the Gamers Inn liked it. And <laughs> <laughs> um, half of the Gamers Inn says you're spending too much time with your kids. Your standards are too low. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Uh, we're not even going to get into the fact that they there's a Paw Patrol movie coming out. But um, oh God. <laughs> yeah. So when you look at this Clifford movie, it's like you you probably need to go back to the drawing board create you can keep them the same size i'll give them that because that affects sort of how the the cg character interacts with because this is a cg dog it's it's their data didn't yeah and it's it's kind of funny because i mean like in some of the clifford books like she's the like the main kid is like the size of his eye and then you know he's sitting and he's the whole size of the house but then like other times it's like she's almost the same size as or like it's i guess a lot closer to like she comes up to his shoulder kind of thing so it's a lot closer to how like the movie is showing it but i agree this very much has the early sonic feel to it because yeah it looks like a golden retriever red yeah <laughs> and uh yeah i feel like it probably would have been better if he if he was more cartoony and like true to his original like design exactly so he doesn't uh, yeah. even look like the right kind of dog like the ears are totally wrong yeah <laughs> like he has like big long like hound dog ears <laughs> it's really odd i don't know it jumped out to me and it immediately reminded me of like obviously of sonic <laughs> yeah obviously the internet isn't isn't like losing their collective minds like they did with Sonic. I mean, the Sonic was far worse. <laughs> you mean the Clifford the Big Red Dog fan base isn't as big and rabid as the Sonic one? <laughs> no, I don't I don't think so. I just saw it. It's like, it just, it's an odd choice to go with um, a life, uh, like a, re- a realistic dog and, yeah. uh, and, and just, you know, make it a, a bigger CG model. And I, I really think like going the cartoony route would make more sense from a perspective of like, it's a kid's movie. And to me, that dog just looks really scary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, it just, it popped into my head and I, it had to be addressed. So hopefully everyone enjoys this new 
Clifford the Big Red Dog movie uh, segment. Just for the record, you are not allowed to talk about the Paw Patrol movie on here just because there's a Paw Patrol video game. I'm drawing the I'm drawing no, the line. That's fine. <laughs> I like I have no interest in uh, spending more than the hour and a half that I have to spend with it, and then maybe ten minutes on Dungeons and Diapers talking about how <laughs> we watch this uh, very much uh, CG weird Paw Patrol movie where they they don't just it's one of those weird instances where they take the show and they don't use the same sort of look and feel. They completely update it because it's a movie. I'm not sure mm-hmm. I'm I'm cool with that either. It's re- that also throws me off. But you said we couldn't talk about it, so we're not going to talk about it, and I'm fine with that because, uh, like I said, I, I can only take so much Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, Good. anyways, Good. <laughs> uh, I finished Ratchet and Clank though. We could, we can talk about that, right? Like I know we talked about it last week, but absolutely no. I want to hear your thoughts now that you're done. Yeah. So shortly after we finished recording, I. Uh, I, I was able to wrap it up, so I, I've had it finished for a couple days now. And um, that game is, you know, the only thing I can lay at its feet from a from a sort of a critique standpoint, like a negative standpoint, is that it is too short. Uh, mm. it, it feels like, from a narrative perspective, of course, uh, it doesn't feel too short from a narrative perspective. They They tell the story, they wrap it up, and it doesn't feel drawn out. It doesn't feel too rushed. But from an entertainment standpoint... How long did it take you? I would say, you know, it's hard to say, but I think 10 to 15 hours. I, okay. I don't I don't know if the save file sort of reports um, how long you've played, but I, I feel like because but I it was, was in the to, 10 to 15 hours hours range, not 20, 30, 40 sort oh, of deal. Yeah, it, it felt on the short side, 10 to 15. And I think it's really just from an entertainment standpoint, like I didn't want it to be over um you know it it just uh it was such a very fun game and we don't get a lot of those like high nine type experiences where it's like okay they've really crafted this really fun story and these great new characters alongside beloved characters we've known for the last 20 years and they're telling this new and and interesting story uh, but it's just, it's all entertaining. And then, you know, obviously everything comes to an end when it comes to a video game. We don't want, you know, every game to be Valhalla or whatever, where it just never mm-hmm. ends. But yes. <laughs> I, I was, uh, I sort of left like, oh man, like it's really, it's really a bummer that it's, that it's over. Although, you know, they, they have, there's a couple things going for it where uh, the, the new game plus is really interesting in that you, you immediately have that feeling like, well, I have to start this over. And all the cutscenes are done so well that you you can skip them, yes, but you're probably not going to because it's like watching one of the greatest sort of uh, you know animated um, movies. Like it's on a Pixar level of animation that they've done here, where you have these characters interacting and you really feel like they they put a lot of effort into all the animation and the voice sync and the voice lines. Um, I didn't mention this last week, but Commander Shepard. Uh, Jennifer Hale is the uh, is the other Lombax. She plays um, Rivet, so that's always fun to hear. I've been playing a lot of Mass Effect and then jumping over to Ratchet and Clank. It's like, ah, Commander Hang Shepard. On a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not quite as gruff. A little more, you know, uh, on the cartoony side, but mm. uh, she does a fantastic job, and it really shows uh, her range as as a voice actor. But um, yeah, it, it, you know, New Game Plus when you jump back in. 
they offer you uh, Omega versions of the weapons that you can unlock. So all the weapons have like new secondary, you know, new upgrades for them that you can sort of progress through and unlock and, and use. So it, that's the major twist on on the Ratchet and Clank sort of franchise is that all the weapons are unique. All the weapons are fun to use, and it encourages you to switch things up because there's limited ammo for each weapon, So, and you don't have ammo crates around all the time, so you're constantly switching up weapons, and switching up weapons also helps you deal with the various enemies that are being thrown at you, so you can kind of keep them on your toes, and uh, or to keep them on their toes, and it's just, it's really cool how they sort of mix things up with New Game Plus, where it's like, all right, you can come back in here and do the story again, maybe a harder difficulty, but we're also going to give you some more variety by having all your weapons, every single one, have an upgrade to them that you can then experiment with and have fun with. So that it, it's got a real good uh, sort of new game plus mode there where if you wanted to jump back into the 10 to 15 hour campaign, which is, I think, short enough that you could probably be like, you know what, I'm going to put like a five more hours into this and and kind of just enjoy myself and keep the game going. It's been a lot of fun to jump back in. I'm trying to clean up some trophies and stuff. So that's where I'm at right now. Kind of just, uh, I think I have one or two more to, to go. Like trophy wise, you have one or two trophies left? Yeah, one or two more trophies okay, so left. You're, yeah. you're almost like a 100% done, not even just like finish the campaign done. Yeah, yeah. And again, like, I think when I get to that point, I'll be I'll be also like, uh, kind of bummed that that I will eventually have to move away from the game i have to play something else but uh yeah i'm i'm almost done i mean insomniac games are really i don't want to say easy to platinum like get all the trophies but they make it they make it fun to achieve it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like a chore so i don't have to finish the game in new game plus to get the the final trophy i i think there's just a couple that i missed so i have to like kill a couple rare uh enemies and that i missed uh and then i also have to use a specific weapon that I didn't spend enough time with. I got to upgrade it mm. so that I can get that trophy and then I'm I'm done. But uh yeah, I really like when trophy design in video games is done like that and it's not like complete every chapter of the game on like easy, medium, hard. If you do it on hard the first time, you get like cascading progress down to the other difficulties like that to me isn't as like dynamic or interesting of a trophy design because I am the kind of person that really likes to go and try to get achievements. And I think that there's a lot of ways to design achievements that aren't just tied to difficulty. Those feel like the cop out easy design choices, right? Where they're just like, well, I mean, there's 10 chapters in our game. That's 30 trophies right there. We we don't even have to think of other ones. <laughs> like, let's just tie them to difficulty and we're done. <laughs> like, it just, I like it when it's like, hey, what's a super cool thing you can do in our game? Maybe we make them do that super cool thing in each of the different major cities or zones or something, or... You know, maybe we make them find a whole bunch of different collectibles and there's some sort of puzzle between them and the collectibles. So it's not just like a hidden hidden eye puzzle sort of deal that's really hard to find. It's like when they get creative with game design alongside the trophy system, that's when I get really excited. So I kind of like perk up whenever I hear that there's a game that has trophies that aren't just do it on all the difficulties. Mm hmm. Yeah, all um, all the Insomniac games that have come out, I mean, since the PS3 have been really uh, 
really just fun games to complete. And and yes, there are collectibles that are tied to trophies. Um, I think when it comes to Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, there was just one collectible um, that was not added to the map. So you can like later on in the game, um, you you find like an optional treasure. There are these optional quests you can do, and you're gonna do them because they're all they're all sort of in line quality wise with the rest of the game. It's not like a RPG where it's like clearly the kill five chickens quest isn't on par with the, you know, suicide mission in, in Mass Effect 2. So, mm-hmm. but in, in Rift Apart, like it's all kind of like crafted in a way where it's it's all level in terms of content quality. Um, and you find, a, you find an unlock that basically is like, hey, all the collectibles are now on the map. So you can just go get them. And I love that because honestly, I do <laughs> not have the time. I mean, I, I, I have the time to look up guides. I was going to say like nine times out of 10, I'm if I'm not given some sort of way to find it in game, even if it's something that like goes ping, 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 as I get closer to it or something or or like you say, like a mark on the map or something. If there isn't anything built into the game that's going to help me along, I'm going to look it up. Because if I've got like two things left and I've completed the game, I clearly have no idea where those two things are. I'm not going to start, you know, like combing through an entire whole big open world game to try to find the two like audio diaries I missed (laughs) over the course of like a 20 to 30 hour like gameplay session, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like so I mean, you're going to look it up everyone's going to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's it's nice if they give you a little help somehow, like through um, either whether it's something you can find or something you can buy or, you know, like a different NPC you can talk to in each zone or like in like Valhalla or any other Assassin's Creed game ever, like the viewpoint things that you climb right to the top of and then they show you the area you know, whatever it is, just have some sort of system to help people out. Because like I say, otherwise, they're just gonna they're just gonna look up a guide. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's, that's spot on. Because like, if I'm if I care about a game that and I that I want to experience a majority of the content, I will look it up if it's not sort of, yeah, you know, presented in the game in a way that uh, that fits with the way I play it. So Ration Clank, I really only had to look up the one collectible, there were these like, teddy bears but they were they were hidden in plain sight and there would be an audible sort of chime when you were close to one and they were always on the critical path like you were always running by one and uh but that was one of them where i was like i i'm near the end of the game i want to finish the story i'm just gonna look where these up look up where these are so i don't have to you know visit every planet and scour every 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 corner so that was the only thing i had to look up and and i just i really enjoyed finding every little piece of collectibles in this game. And uh, I think from a story perspective, you know, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but I think they really set up, you know, the ending sets up a sequel that, you know, could possibly wrap up, you know, a story that they've been setting up for 20 years, or at least the background of the Ratchet and Clank story, where it's always about, Ratchet's the last Lombax, um, you know, his kind were sort of, uh, they, they, uh, they fleed to a, a dimension, another dimension. They so that's fled. Fled. Thank you. <laughs> fleed, fled. They yeah. fleed. Good save. You know, like they, uh, they, they had a flea problem. 
they, you know, they're furry <laughs> creatures. Um, and uh, they, so they fled uh, to uh, another dimension. And that's the whole idea of like with this game, you know, uh, they fix the dimensionator, the bad guy steals it, he causes all the dimensions to have issues and stuff. So that's, that's so your quest is to try and get the dimensionator back and, and fix the dimensions that are slowly falling apart. That's all the rifts and stuff. Um, but at the end of the game, like, obviously you, you succeed. And, uh, the idea behind that is like, there could be, I, I could see there being a sequel. Maybe Insomniac goes back to releasing multiple Ratchet and Clank games per platform generation, because we haven't had, you know, the PS3 had like four Ratchet and Clank games. And then the PS4 had one, which was technically like a remake of the first game. Um, so there was a bit of, there, there was a lot done to it to, to make it a new game. Like it wasn't, it was a, it was a remake. And this is the first Ratchet and Clank game we've had continuing that story in over 10 years since uh, Into the Nexus on the PS3. So the fact that we're heading towards like continuing that, that storyline of looking for the Lombaxes uh, is really interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes from here. And I mean, if Insomniac becomes like a, you know, Ratchet and Clank game every one point, you know, uh, every three or four years and a Spider-Man game every three or four years. And you're kind of like bouncing back and forth because, you know, Spider-Man 2 is going to be announced probably next year for like a 2024 release date, maybe, maybe earlier or no, 2023 uh, or earlier. But like, yeah, like it's really interesting to look at Insomniac as a developer and be like, they've got two solid franchises that they can sort of toss back and forth you've got two teams sort of offset so they're like always releasing something every two years like that's a really that's a that's a really solid sort of promise for you know folks that are looking at the playstation 5 and wondering is it worth picking up this this new and very expensive piece of hardware right um so yeah i i think if you are sort of looking at picking up a ps5 if you can find one I think Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is a really good example of like what you can expect this generation from Sony. Like a lot of high tier first party titles, very similar to what maybe not the same cadence that Nintendo offers, but like very similar in quality to what Nintendo has on offer on the Switch. Like I think that's they're sort of following a similar, you know, uh principles for for this generation. Like Nintendo and Sony are very close in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um where Microsoft is just sort of like They've got sort of everything on offer. Like, you know, you can you can play these exclusives or you can play them on your PC or you can play them on your phone. You know, you, you do a little bit of everything with, you know, Microsoft platforms. But I still do appreciate like, you know, Ratchet and Clank reminds me like I really do. I still do appreciate those that like focus on first party experiences. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone knowing how much I love Nintendo. Well, I mean, speaking of a first party thing, although, you know, I need to just say the whole PC Xbox things going on. But you know what? PC and Xbox, as we're going to talk about in the news a little bit later, they're just they're getting closer and closer and closer. They're they're having tech babies. They're <laughs> doing things. So I'm going to call this a platform exclusive. Uh Sea of Thieves, we actually got in there, you and I, last night and played the first tall tale in the Pirates Life series. So uh Pirates Life is the new expansion that is all of the or the new Pirates of the Caribbean story. And it was, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, Ryan, but I had a really good time. <laughs> no, I, I I think for me, my real no, it was it was quite late when we played, so I was like already tired, but I think like my surprise was guys, like this is what I was waiting for with Sea of Thieves. This is what I wanted at launch. Like 
structured content that I could still enjoy with my friends. Like it's still a multiplayer experience. You need to have at least, I would assume one, one other crew. I don't know if they've made like leaps and bounds in terms of playing solo. Um, well, I mean, you can, you can still play a sloop solo, so you could technically play this content through by yourself. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well then, I mean, that's, that's, I, it's never been fun to play. solo. it's, you, you know, playing solo is totally doable, but I think, you know, playing with friends is, is where it's at. It's where I've always played Sea of Thieves. I, I've definitely spent a fair amount of time solo slooping just because um, there aren't always people around who want to play. Although, thankfully, my husband has gotten more into Sea of Thieves lately. So I usually have a, a someone else to play with me on my sloop. But in general, um, I did spend quite a lot of time kind of in the middle <laughs> of Sea of Thieves lifespan uh, playing by myself. And it's not terrible. You can kind of like... You can set all your own goals, right? And you can just go and do exactly what you want because you don't have to figure out what the rest of the crew wants to do, which sometimes that is like, I mean, last night, obviously, like you said, we had a very, we had a goal. We had a very structured night planned. We wanted to get through at least the first, um, the first tall tale because the pirate's life section, like the Pirates of the Caribbean story is told over a series of four tall tales. And each one of them takes between an hour and a half and two hours. I think a couple of them are a little bit more because it's about eight hours of content altogether spread out over four different parts. Um, So we did get through the first part. And then I was like, oh, it's about midnight. I don't know if I should commit to another like two hour session right now. So um, but they have made uh, kind of leaps and bounds in terms of like your ability to jump in and out of the game because you can now go to the merchant at the sea post where you start and you can go there and just buy like a crate of cannonballs or a crate of fruit or a crate of wood. So you can just kind of go and like buy your supplies to start the mission. So you don't have to do all the like running around and setting up your boat and stuff like that if you don't want to. Um, Or obviously you can just scavenge and then get everything for free. But um, they've kind of made it easier to just jump in and go than it used to be. And uh, so, yeah, last night we we did just jump in and go. And because we were doing a tall tale, we didn't actually have to have like a full up ship. And they've actually separated the pirate's life because I went in with no spoilers. Like I went in as spoiler free as it's possible to be as someone who follows Sea of Thieves, plays it a lot, watches streamers and follows a lot of Sea of Thieves people on Twitter. (laughs) Like I went into it as spoiler free as I could. Um, So I didn't realize that they had actually separated off like the um, what's called like adventure mode, which is um, what you're used to playing if you play Sea of Thieves. Those are the um, like consistently always PvP servers. They have separated those off from the Pirate's Life servers, which is where all the Tall Tales are available. And I guess they just didn't want people to be able to kill you while you were playing Disney content or something. Like it was, I would imagine it was some sort of agreement between uh, Rare and Disney, just because like it is a much more guided like narrative experience. So. Those servers seem to be separate. Now, I don't know because uh, you basically spawn into a Sea of Thieves map. So I'm guessing it's got to be shared with other people because it had all of like the events and stuff in it as well as the Tall Tale stuff. So it had like the ghost ship fights, the um, like the the Flameheart event and his captains on the islands with the red tornadoes over them and skull forts and stuff like that. 
all of that like PVE content was available too. So I'm like, I don't know if you can, if this is like their implementation, I probably should have looked it up before the show, let's be honest. But um, I don't know if this is their implementation of like PVE only servers or like private servers. I don't really know, like, because we didn't really spend the time to, after we finished the tall tale, like just exploring the map. Like, I don't know if anything you do there would have um, like saved your progress to your character. Like, I have no idea. But it was just, I was so struck. I was, it was just wild to me that they had um, the Pirate's Life stuff all in its own area of like the main menu right when you log in. Like, I thought it was just going to be more tall tales in the normal world I'm used to playing in. So uh, when we actually got in there, I thought it was really uh, interesting and seemed pretty straightforward. It's like when you choose Pirate's Life and put your crew together and log in, it plops you down, like not even in the like tavern, but like right in front of the, um, oh, what do they call her? The castaway, the basically the person who's going to give you all the quests. They're just like, you need to be here. Plop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was... Uh, it was kind it, of idiot-proof. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, which is good, because every time I play, I forget how to play, so it takes me some time. So I I honestly was really uh, appreciating the, the simple setup, and I think one of the core issues with, with uh, live service games is how do you do direct new players and existing players to um, fresh uh, drops of content? And I think this specific... I'm going to call it an expansion. They don't call it that, but it really feels like an, 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 like an expansion, the first of its kind for Sea of Thieves. It's, the, it's kind of the closest that they've ever gotten to an expansion. I mean, it's the most content that they've ever given us. Like, we've had Tall Tales before. We've had um, major changes to the world with new PvE elements and those come fairly often uh, for a while there. It felt like we were getting something new like that every four to six weeks. Like it was basically like a monthly update that we were getting from Rare. Um, and But they were a whole bunch of like what I would kind of call like DLC content. Like they were shorter little spurts of stuff. Now they've moved into seasons, which are like months long instead, which they told us that the content updates then would be um, fewer and further between. But then when we get content updates, that's the size of this. Like, it's almost like precedent setting. I'm like, where do you go from here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think... Because um, this is big. This is expansion worthy, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and I think uh, the, the question of where do you go from here, um, it's also... It's, it's good that they started with Pirates of the Caribbean because they probably... Like, when you think, oh, what, what kind of pirate content could you add... Um, to see if these I mean if they went with like you know the Muppets Treasure Island to start <laughs> then yeah you'd be like oh man where do they go from here definitely Pirates of the Caribbean but because they did Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, you know the bar is set so high and I think that's a good a good thing because honestly they they can then go to other um, you know ideas or content crossovers or even like unique content to the to you know uh, new content that they've crafted like original content i i think like because you have pirates and you've done you know the greatest pirate content that's out there and again i might be forgetting i don't know why muppet treasure island was the first to come to mind but um i love that movie um i i think like you you don't necessarily have to meet that that uh that expectation because honestly you've already done this this one so well and i mean i know we only played the first tall tale but like we're going through that tall tale and i've never done 
the Disney ride. I've seen the movies. Um, I've seen parts of the Disney ride through like documentaries and stuff. Um, but like we're doing that first tall tale and I'm like, man, they really nailed the feel of the, the film franchise, but also the ride, like, you know, and it's just, they've done so well with this content. I can't wait to see more of it. And even though you don't have the actors coming back, like you get a little bit of Jack Sparrow, you get a little bit of, uh, of, um, Davy Jones, uh, Bill Nye, I think it is. And Mm -hmm. it, they're all sort of like, um, I guess you would call them imitations, right? Or, or, uh, impersonations, impersonations maybe yeah. is probably the the word you're looking for. Because yeah, you pretty much can't tell, or at least I couldn't tell that they weren't being voiced by their actual voice actors. And I think anyone who saw the Sea of Thieves trailer, like it wasn't until after that people were like, "Oh no, it's actually not Johnny Depp." Like it, it's it's very well done. <laughs> yeah, they did a really good job of casting the actors for for all these characters and that that I've experienced so far. And I think that's fine. Like, again, like, you know, there's there's a way to do licensed stuff. Like, you look at the Marvel stuff and, like, you know, they they, they move away from the movies, you know, but that's in that's a, on a majority of people's minds. Like, outside of the – if you're not a comic book reader, you're not used to, the, like, having the core character be the same, but, like, you know, the the look, the feel, the sound being so different each time around. Like, if you're only engaging in the MCU, you have one sort of thought process of, like, okay, uh, Chris oh, Evans. Yeah. I I have one, exactly, I have one Captain America in my head. <laughs> exactly. And I, th- but when you look at the way they've done this Pirates content, where they have modeled, modeled it all after, um, like, it looks like, Jack, it looks like Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow. So they did the likeness. Yeah. They did it within the Sea of Thieves sort of look and feel. Like cartoony style, yeah. Yeah, and like Davy Jones looks great. And like uh, you, you see Gibbs in the trailer. He's in there as well. Like they've they've mixed the two really well, like Sea of Thieves and Pirates of the Caribbean. So it doesn't feel jarring. Like they've mm-hmm. they've really adapted it in a way that is honest to the movies, to the ride. And it's crazy how how good this thing is is presented right off the bat. Like, I love that it's separate from the game because it really sets. I hope they do more of this. I hope we get more expansions like this, like off off the side of the game, like tell a story. Like, that's what I wanted from the beginnings. Like, I want a Mm -hmm. good sort of linear pirate story. And yeah, if they trinkle in some of the PVP stuff outside of of the main story like you enter a portal in that first tall tale and i think it's literally just it's porting you into a dungeon-esque scenario where like yeah like an instance yeah yeah you're in your own instance you're experiencing you're in your the story. own space yeah and i think that's a really great way to do it and i know i know there are probably a lot of see if the see if these players that are saying like no we want more in the world and i get that totally understand Honestly, that i have not seen that at all okay. from anybody like okay. i mean and i and i'm sure i mean it's the internet i'm sure those people exist but i've got to say like there were a couple of glitches that we came across in this content and it still wasn't enough to like put a damper on my mood <laughs> like it was so well done it was fun to play it was cool to explore um we had a really good time like just making our way through that first very on rails story content and 
I I kind of agree with you that it is it does kind of merge the two worlds really well. And they they have a lot of very small like nods or like touches that really fit both universes at the same time. Like you mentioned how it felt a lot like the ride and they have this like ghostly voice in these like caverns that you move through at the beginning as you're trying to make your way through and, and, you know, kind of discover what's going on and, you know, you've got to save someone, but you're not sure exactly who. And and so as you're making your way through that world, um, this ghastly ghostly voice is happening and it sounds exactly like the speakers from like the 1950s or whenever the hell they made Disneyland. Cause I've been on like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland in California. And they have these like super old, crackly, like spacey sounding speakers in the ride. And it's like true to that sound, like the voice sounds that way like it's coming through old crackly speakers but it also works because it's a ghost voice kind of echoing through a cave so it doesn't feel out of place in sea of thieves like it's this crazy like merging of the two worlds where you can tell that the people who work on sea of thieves at rare are huge fans of pirates of the caribbean and the people at disney who work on pirates of the caribbean are a huge fan of sea of thieves and they have gone to painstaking lengths to make sure that this isn't sea of thieves and this isn't pirates of the caribbean it's something else and that something else was just such a fun experience so i mean i think like i i've been saying this for quite a while now if you haven't been playing sea of thieves for for a while there's a lot of content there anyway even before this pirates of the caribbean crossover um including like a a kind of story that you can see through playing through the tall tales there's a lot of uh unique characters that they've made up for sea of thieves that get carried through a lot of those different um a lot of those different tall tales and it tells the story of the Sea of Thieves as well. Like there, it's not quite as um, like separate and directed, Ryan, as you were saying, this this pirates experience is. But there's definitely a story that's been told there over the past like year, year and a half, I guess. Um, and it's all really good and fun content. And they've added a lot of things to kind of help you decide what to do with your time in Sea of Thieves, which is always a bit of a struggle, I think. Like, they've got the the Seasons Pass now that you level up by doing um, deeds and trials. So trials are made up of deeds, and it's basically like achievements. It's like sail X number of miles, you know, under the mercenary flag, or under the um, merchant flag and the gold hoarder's flag and the uh, Order of Souls flag. And once you sail like 50 miles under each, then you'll get you'll complete the trial like it's those sort of things. Um, so you can really like direct your time by doing tall tales, by trying to complete deeds and trials. And it just like gives a little bit of direction to your time in Sea of Thieves. Or you can literally go hunt down other pirates and steal their treasure. <laughs> that will always be an option. <laughs> so like they have added a lot of content and this is just kind of like, I feel like the pinnacle of all of those systems kind of coming together under the banner of this really cool Pirates of the Caribbean story. So um, we kind of, we got to the point in the tall tale, we finished the first tall tale and you uh, sort of, it sets the stage, I'll say. It kind of like introduces you to 
the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, main characters that you're going to be interacting with over the next three um, sections of the story. It um, you get a little bit of voiceover from the ferryman because it's kind of like the the ferryman in the realm of the dead and the like uh, Davy Jones locker type deal is is where I guess the Sea of Thieves and Pirates of the Caribbean worlds kind of merge. So uh, so, yeah, I think it's. It was really well done. There was some voiceover explaining that kind of crossover and you got to meet all the main characters. You were introduced to some new kind of enemies as well uh, that had unique like combat mechanics to to beat them. And oh, man, I don't know. I just I had such a great time. Like we we did stream it. Um, it's over on twitch.tv slash Joss plays if you guys want to check it out. And I feel like I haven't watched the stream back, but I feel like my face was just a giant smile the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's uh, and that's the thing is they not only did they nail all the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff, but they have crafted these enemies that feel true to the smashing together of these two franchises. Like they're not quite Pirates of the Caribbean, they're not quite Sea of Thieves. They're a mix, and like you have these characters, like one the one char- the one specifically that sort of jumped out to me is like it's a it's a it's a pirate like an undead pirate, but he's got like this eel that sort of wraps around him, and he has like electrical abilities. So the first time you hit him, you get shocked, and then you're able to take him out, and they're like like just stuff like that where they have crafted this unique thing. And that's where I'm like, if they never do another one of these expansions, it would make perfect sense because they really poured everything they had into this one. And we're only talking about the first tall tale, you know, in what I think is a series of five. And if they never do another one of these and just continue to focus on the live service and do the seasons and stuff like that, like, I wouldn't blame them because I think they've really, they've really, you know, outdone themselves here with, with this content. I, I, I don't know if they've addressed it in the news as to whether they'll do more like this. Not that I've necessarily heard, but one thing that I have noticed about the Sea of Thieves team over at Rare is that they they almost feel like they have full and complete control and that they're not afraid to experiment because the game that they launched with a lot of people really loved, but got a lot of hate for being um, too sandboxy, too open, not enough uh, like guided things to do, not enough goals, big grind, you know, like and I think what they really wanted people to do was to go and find your own fun. And people are like, OK, but like also sometimes we just want to lay back and let you show us the fun. <laughs> so I think that they've in trying to figure out what their audience wants. They've been very flexible in trying new things and figuring out what works and what doesn't. So, I mean, not to say that I don't think that they'll do another expansion like this, but I don't think that they have to do another expansion like this. It might be the kind of thing that they go, oh, this was super successful. We should try this again. But I would say there probably isn't another one in the works just because, like, from what I understand... Disney approached Sea of Thieves and said, hey, we want to make a Pirates of the Caribbean game, but you already have the best pirate game on the market. So instead of us building from scratch, how about we just make the Pirates game that we want to make, but we put it like in your game on your engine with your tech? 
do you want to do like a, a collaboration? And they went, uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> so like, I don't know, because like because it was driven from the Disney side and not the Sea of Thieves side, I'm kind of wondering like if this is the kind of thing that they're just going to let other partnerships come to them now that people see how well they've done with Pirates of the Caribbean and that IP or if it's going to be the kind of thing that that see if these will go, oh, wow, you know, we we tackled this. We did it really well. People seem to like it. Let's go kind of like hunt down another license or maybe they'll work with Disney again. I mm. mean, if you want to talk about like pirates, they could definitely do like a Peter Pan thing. Like that's another one that kind of has like not so much the the connection of death realms. But I mean, there's definitely like an eternal life feel and there's Captain Hook and all of his pirates. They're there, too. Like, I mean, there might be something there. I don't know. I'm spitballing off the top of my head right now. But (laughs) yeah, I feel like there's there's other pirate content out there. Should they want it? Yeah. So you're saying there's a chance that they could do Muppet Uh, Treasure Island. There's a chance. There is definitely a chance we could get (laughs) Muppet Treasure Island. I just really think. Why not just normal Treasure Island? Why? Why? Why has it got to be Muppets? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I guess. I well, hey. you know the Muppets didn't make Treasure Island. Okay, here's gonna be another I'm, spoiler for you. Um, okay. A Christmas Carol, not a Muppet story. What? <laughs> no, I knew that. I knew it was it was originally a Jim Carrey thing. So it's all good. Yeah. Oh my god. No, that's wrong. Wrong order. But you get the joke. Um. Yeah. No, Treasure <laughs> Island is obviously an adaptation of uh, a book of some kind. And um. <laughs> Literally called Treasure Island. Yeah, no, I get it. For fuck's sake, Ryan. <laughs> no, I'm I'm playing dumb here. No, I can't I, tell if you're. Yeah, yeah. I no, can't I'm playing tell dumb. If you're actually messing with me. I am doing a little bit of everything here, but I, I think like you mentioned Peter Pan. I think Peter Pan's a good one. You could do something there. Um, I think where you, I think where you struggle with Peter Pan is like, uh, there's not, there's probably not, there, there are no, there doesn't feel like there are consequences in Peter Pan unless you are Hook. Um, mm. like you're not really, there's no real fear of death. Although you could do more of like a lighthearted sort of story like with, with Peter Pan. Um, or you could do the Steven Spielberg route and do like, um, look more at like, uh, the hook movie that they did. Mm. Um, uh, anyways, yeah. Like there's a lot of pirate content out there that they could sort of do like a, like an expansion for. And I think, um, it really, you're right. It depends on what, rare wants to, to to do going forward like do they want to wait for someone else to approach and have i would rather see them wait for the right opportunity than like mm-hmm. okay what's our next what's yeah our then next feel content? like they have to do it like every year or something like that um yeah i think it's just uh it's it's opened a door and and made it a possibility and i think that that's a good thing and, but i also do think that everything that they've been doing up to this point has been really good for the game and it's a very fun experience in the state that it's in right now there's there's quite a lot to do and they're committed to to continue to add more content over the season so obviously this is the pirates of the caribbean season but you know three months from now we'll be into something new so um i think they have a lot of really interesting like first party stories and sea of thieves ip stories that they can tell with the characters they've created they're they've got like so many I guess like Easter eggs or unused like assets in the game, I guess, with all of the like all of the paintings that they've got on the walls and all of the journals that are strewn around and all of the skeletons. And like there's there's so much lore that they could just kind of like activate (laughs) at any point in time that uh, I still think they have a lot of stories to tell 
uh, within their own IP. So we'll have to see what happens. But um, so far, Sea of Thieves uh, Pirate's Life has just been so much fun to play. And I honestly, I can't recommend it enough if you are a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean because the content's really good. And I think it's acting right now as a kind of bridge for people to get into Sea of Thieves who may not have been into it before. The only thing I worry about is when they actually go into like adventure mode (laughs) and then all of a sudden like start to get sunk by other players. And then I'm like, oh, man. But if Pirate's Life servers are, you know, like uh, do contribute um, and we still I think we still do have a section in the gamers in Discord that is about Sea of Thieves. So if you guys know the answer to this. Feel free to post in the Discord. It's bit.ly slash TGI Discord if you want to join the conversation. Uh, And let me know if you can just play in the Pirate's Life servers and if they are just PvE only. And then maybe that is the answer is that now we actually have PvP servers and PvE servers and you can get... um, Oh, what am I looking for? Get progress towards uh, your seasonal rewards in either place. Um, Because I think that would also probably be a good idea because I know like they wanted to create a world where... Um, PVP was persistent and you couldn't opt out of it because of the whole idea of being a pirate (laughs) and having, you know, risk and consequences and, you know, uh, but I think enough people have asked for it over time that I think that maybe this would have been their way of kind of caving to that, uh, that give me a PVE only uh, sort of a server experience. So anyways, long way around to say it's really good content. I think you guys should check it out if you're interested in pirates at all, whether the Sea of Thieves kind or the Pirates of the Caribbean kind. Uh, If you guys do like the content we produce, head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to support the show. We are looking for our next featured patron. So if you would like your name right here, then go to patreon.com slash thegamersin. That brings us to the news this week, and uh, we've got a little bit of news here. First of all, an update of a story that we covered, I believe it was last week, uh, where we thought that uh, Xbox Cloud Gaming was kind of like stealth slipping in those uh, Series X servers. Uh, Turns out, yes, they are now using (laughs) Series X hardware. So, uh, yeah, they they finally copped to it. Yeah, and and with this announcement, basically, like we talked about last week, they confirmed that all Game Pass Ultimate uh, members with uh, Windows 10 PCs, Apple phones, tablets, um, you can access Xbox Cloud Gaming. Uh, it's uh, via browser and um, yeah, and using that new Xbox Series X hardware. I have not had a chance to because uh, this just launched yesterday. I haven't had a chance to like check it out and. And see how it works in terms of like whether that uh, Series X hardware is like changing, you know, the 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 issues I had with with um, right the cloud. I gaming. was gonna say, yeah, we did have um, people who were reporting that you know they were getting higher frame rates and more responsiveness and things like that 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 weren't popular, not popular, weren't possible on any other sort of hardware other than the Series X hardware, which is how this story kind of broke in the first place. But um, yeah, it would be interesting to see from, you know, those of us that play in a way that wouldn't notice <laughs> a, a change in frame rate necessarily. Um, it would be interesting to see if if you actually notice a difference in your kind of day to day gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the big thing for me is I just I want to see I like the idea of, you know, Microsoft. And, and I think they're one of the few companies that can do this uh, with with these large platforms um, like Xbox where you know really leverage 
the cloud and and give me the ability to check into a game real quick, you know, and and have it be not the same experience, but close enough where I'm not feeling like I, I should just wait and play this later. You know, like if I have 15 minutes to check this out, it'd be nice to kind of jump in, test something. And and there has been a couple of those use cases. And I think with the Series X hardware, that will allow you to really uh, jump into something really quick because it is loading much faster. And it is an experience, you know, on par with with the Series X we have in in the other rooms. So this is (laughs) exciting. And I want to, I'm curious to see where it goes from here because this is literally just the start. Like they are just getting the this up the platform up and running like this is them out of beta you can play it via a browser you can play it via an app um on certain devices so like this is you know now it just gets more interesting from here Mm -hmm. and speaking of uh, interesting gaming products coming out of microsoft uh there was kind of a bigger wider pc update that came out this week uh they did have a lot of details about what exactly they're going to do uh, on the gaming side of things. But uh, we got an announcement that Windows 10 is being replaced with Windows 11. They are making a lot of updates uh, specifically in the gaming space to Windows. So, um, I mean, it's kind of nice that uh, I guess maybe like gaming in general is just doing so well that it's now front and center as part of a Windows uh, update announcement, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think this is the first, like, you know, Microsoft uh, has always kind of kept Windows and Xbox separate. And you saw, you saw sort of like some back and forth. I remember vividly, like Halo 2 for PC was exclusive to Vista. And that was a big deal. Like a lot of people were upset about that. But it was like Microsoft's push to put Xbox on PC with um, the Xbox Live, uh, Xbox Gold live for pc which was also like a a huge mistake they tried to charge you you had to have gold to play halo 2 for pc um online which was basically like no we don't do paid services to play online games on pc and uh that was that was kind of a failure i think windows you know 7 and 10 like at least just acknowledged that gaming existed but this is the first instance where you know similar to the file you know file explorer you know, Xbox is going, the Xbox app is built into Windows 11. You don't have to go to the store and download it. Um, I'm sure, you know, with, you know, Windows being more of an open, trying to embrace a more open platform, you can probably uninstall it if you don't need it. Uh, But it is in there by default. I'm not actually, yeah, I'm not 100% sure because that's kind of something that they did on Windows 10. At least like the Xbox game bar is something that you have now. So if you just hit Windows G, then it brings up this like background interface thing that you don't even realize is running. (laughs) And uh, it's actually, it's really funny because it outed me playing Hearthstone one day over my lunch hour because my friend who's on Xbox is like, uh, sent me a message on Xbox, which then popped up on my PC. And I'm like, how is this even happening? And he's like, I hope you're not playing Battlegrounds because you've got five minutes left in your lunch break. And I was like, (laughs) I'm appearing offline in Battle.net. How do you even know? Like, what is going on? You don't even own Battle.net. <laughs> like, how do you know I'm playing Hearthstone right now? And he's like, oh, Xbox told me. I was like, what? Creepy. How does my Xbox know? Yeah, exactly. It was it was creepy. And it's because this freaking game bar or whatever is always running on my Windows PC. So, I mean, and again, I don't know if you can actually uninstall it. There might be a way to tell it not to run, uh, maybe, but uh, yeah. 
that's always running, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's, it's one of those instances where sometimes it's nice when it's built in and sometimes it's, it's kind of weird. Like, um, it will. It's nice uh, when it's built in as long as you know that it's built in and you know how to control it. Right. So, yeah. you know, there's always going to be those, uh, privacy concerns and, and, you know, like the, you know, what are you signed into where and who has access to what, like, those are very important questions. And, uh, but yeah, like, like you say, the, the Xbox functionality is going to be like fully built into windows 11. And, um, it's kind of the culmination of them. I was going to say collaborating with Xbox, <laughs> but they're all the same company. So like, I guess just maybe embracing Xbox or embracing gaming and kind of like, because they talked a lot about not just, um, like the software, because they talked about like how um, the Xbox uh, and all of your account stuff is going to work with like the store and how they've revamped everything and everything's going to be easier, more streamlined at your fingertips, blah, 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 all the normal operating system crap that they say. But then they also talked about it from a, an Xbox and gaming perspective with a lot of like the um, like the performance side of things, right? Like how their software is going to interact with all the available hardware and and who they're working with and what's optimized and all that kind of stuff. Um, because th there's a lot of updates on on that side of things too, like on the performance side of things. Yeah. So the the critical updates there, you know, auto HDR, which is something they they brought over to the Xbox, and um, it basically turns or or tries to implement HDR on games that don't have native support for it, which is kind of crazy. You know, it's really crazy to see that. Uh, and it works. It looks great. Um, also, direct storage, which is a, basically another buzzword for the Xbox velocity architecture. It's kind of weird to have a buzzword for a buzzword that is basically just <laughs> like, I think. what I don't know. That feels super tech. A buzzword for a buzzword. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Layers. It's like an onion dip of a, a presentation file. It's crazy. Um <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but basically like what it allows you to do is it's a, you, you, it utilizes a high performance NVMe SSD and the proper drivers to basically give, um, I'm, from what I understand, certain components like your video card and your processor direct access to the storage. So it, it, it's faster loading. Um, you're able to do more with the game. I mean, this is the reason that, you know, uh, not to you know jump to another platform, but the reason Rift Apart Ratchet and Clank is a, is a sole PS5 experience is because it is utilizing that SSD that and and just that game would not work on a, a normal hard drive, right? Like you might be able to bring the graphics down to have it run on a PS4 Pro, but the fact that it has a hard drive as opposed to an SSD, it, it's not going to be the same experience. So, yeah, the way that yeah. it accesses information is different. Exactly. So this is a really exciting update. I mean, I don't know if you've been sort of, you know, depending on who you follow on Twitter, like I have a couple of Microsoft folks, um, you know, uh, tech journalists that I follow. And there is a, another aspect to this Windows 11 update. And as with every version update for um, an operating system, there's going to be hardware that isn't supported. And uh, right now you can run sort of a PC checker to see if your computer um, is able to upgrade to Windows 11. Uh, none of my PCs can upgrade to Windows 11 due to uh, a requirement for a specific um, security implementation. I think it's called TPM 2.0. So if you have an older processor, uh, pre, I think from the Intel side, it's like pre-8th generation. So if you don't have an eighth generation and above Intel processor, you might not have support 
for this specific uh, security thing. Um, I'll let you guys, you know, d- dig directly into it. But again, like there's been this, uh, there's been a lot of talk of how older PCs, even though they they meet the system requirements of like the CPU having a, a specific speed and you having a specific amount of, you know, hard hard drive space to to run this uh, and RAM. There is this other requirement that is pushing computers, you know, older computers out of compatibility. Although like there might be something there where maybe they, they do offer like a, you know, a windows 11 with, with, without some security features that'll run. I I have no idea, but I just know for me, like none of my hardware is compatible. That's kind of interesting. And we'll have the link in the show notes because the, there is, like you say, the PC checker to see if you can get this update, but, um, the the security thing is very interesting, and this is uh, more so for me as I as I'm taking information security yeah. at school right now. Um, but I mean, it, it is very kind of interesting because I there was quite a lot of talk in this Windows 11 uh, kind of announcement, and we won't talk about it too much here because it's not directly related to the gaming side of things. But um, there definitely was a lot of talk, or at least. More talk than I remember noticing before in terms of like how much more secure they're trying to make Windows um, because of, you know, so many people working from home and how much the world has changed in the last 18 months. And, you know, the uh, increase in threat actors and, and all the rest of it. There was a lot of this Windows announcement that was security based. So I wonder, like you're saying, maybe they'll offer you like a Windows 11 Lite or something. I don't know if they will. Um, just because the, a lot of this announcement seemed very security based. And if your, uh, card or whatever, your processor can't handle like their security features, uh, that's something that doesn't seem to me like they would compromise on, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Uh, you do have quite a while now, uh, to update your system in whatever way you need to, to be eligible for windows 11. It won't launch until the holiday. It's going to be a free update for people who have windows 10 PCs, that free update is going to go into 2022. So you guys have a lot of time to figure it out. Uh, let us know what you think about uh, Xbox <laughs> built in and <laughs> spying on you and telling your friends what you're gaming, even when you're not even on the Xbox platform. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you guys think about the Windows 7 or sorry, Windows 7. Oh. Wow, my brain just misfired there. <laughs> the Windows 11 update. Uh, Ryan, we also have an update about CD Projekt Red. Apparently, they're very happy with uh, Cyberpunk 2077 now. Yeah, there was. I mean, here's the thing. I will I will start this off with the fact that I think CD Projekt Red um, could say anything and it'll be twisted to be like, yeah, but cyberpunk 2077 wasn't what we and like it just it'll lead into these conversations of maybe cyberpunk 2077 didn't live up to certain expectations but i think what is being said here is that yeah cd project red is saying they are quite satisfied with the game stability and performance in a general standpoint of like the way it runs on the platforms it it runs you know we're going to keep doing work and they specifically mention the ps4 and the xbox one versions uh, the base models of those platforms, they're going to keep working on that and they are going to work on a next gen version, but we're, we're no longer at a point where it's like, it's the laughable experience it was on launch yeah. day on those platforms. So like, I will give CD Projekt Red that, like, I know them coming out and saying this is just going to bring people out of the, you know, out, out of, of the, the woodwork. Exactly. And just basically just, say like, yeah, you're so right. It's so funny. Sometimes you're just like, 
why would you give them the ammunition? Like, why would you open your mouth? Like, just just leave it. Just leave it. Like, nobody's ripping you apart today. Why would you come out with a statement that says, yeah, all, all's good? Because you're just asking for people to send you gifts of their failed Cyberpunk 2077 glitched out missions. Like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, I think it's just it's one of those things where, you know, in order to move forward with this, pro like, obviously, CD Projekt Red has put a lot of resources and a lot of investment into Cyberpunk 2077. And like Witcher 3 and the Witchers before that, they want to continue to, to, to work on the game and evolve it over the years. Like Witcher 3, when it launched, very different game, um, you know, uh, playability wise than it, that it was years after launch. Like, I remember they did a lot of work on the controls of Geralt's, you know, years after the game came out. They obviously added, ex and they did that alongside adding expansions and stuff. So they're going to do the same thing here with Cyberpunk 2077. And, and this statement is basically them saying like, look, like we're going to keep working on it, but, you know, we're at a point where we're satisfied with the way it runs on these very old systems and we're moving forward. I... I they had to have the statement at some point, and I mean, like we said last week when it returned to the PlayStation Store, this is one of those instances where they're going to have to say something this, like this eventually, and they might as well get ahead of it because they are talking about the later half of 2021, seeing those next-gen upgrades, those those legit you know, um, PS5 and Xbox Series versions. I feel like for me... If I was in charge of PR, <laughs> sure. I would have just stayed quiet until I was ready to announce a positive story. Like, uh, I would wait the, you know, three, four, five months, however long into 2021 fall season it's going to be before they're ready to give these updates. But, like, I would just stay quiet through the summer and then be like, hey, guys, here's the date you can expect, you know, the update for this thing. Mm. By the way, that's what we're we've been working on because we're satisfied with it. You know, like I just I feel like this is a statement that didn't have to be made, that they could have just kept quietly developing in the background and made a statement when they had a, a good news story that was basically like, here's the update you've been waiting for. Ta-da! Yeah. And then we'd be like, yay, instead of being, you know, snarky assholes like we are. <laughs> well, I, I think what it comes down to and, and you're, the obvious comparison you can make is to No Man's Sky, which did employ that specific strategy of like, you know, uh, addressing the stuff that needed to be addressed, you know, staying quiet, talking when you needed to talk. But CD Projekt Red being a publicly traded company, like they probably have to say this stuff. And I think that's the difference between between being independent and being a, a publicly traded company where I don't think CD Projekt Red literally could sort of step away and and be cryptic with this sort of issue on hand. Like I know Nintendo is a publicly traded company and they keep, they, you know, they go away for five, six years and build a new Metroid game that, well, that's a bad example because I guess a lot of people knew about it for the last 15 years, but uh, uh a Mario game that just gets announced out of the blue, like Mario Odyssey. Like it, it wasn't, it was a secret until they announced it. Right. And mm -hmm. I think in this specific instance, it's just, it is, it's just the situation and the fact that it's a publicly traded company. But I agree. Like eventually they are going to need to get the game to a state where they can stop addressing it publicly so that they can focus on the stuff that is going to redeem the project. And I think they're going to get there. I, I have, 
I think that CD Projekt Red can can turn this specific game around and and uh, build some new you know content for it. Like they've announced two DLC expansions that will be coming probably in twenty twenty two, or at least one of them will come next year. Um, so I, I I think that's where we're gonna a lot of people are gonna be paying attention to what that content is because it'll be the first true sort of reaction to the launch as opposed to just fixing and upgrading existing systems so Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see we'll see we shall see Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about are we good to wrap it up i think we're good to wrap it up that about does it i think all right then again like i said earlier on if you'd like to join the conversation head on over to bit.ly slash tgi discord uh, you can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is Dar Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>